today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. So God calls Moses, says, go to Pharaoh, tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Moses is like, okay, go, goes to Pharaoh. This is pre-plague. He has no idea about plagues yet, okay? So Moses goes innocently believing, I believe naively so, that he was going to go to Pharaoh because God called him, and he was going to say to Pharaoh, let my people go, and Pharaoh is going to just let him go. No, he doesn't let him go. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. Have you ever felt God leading you to do something and then things didn't go the way you'd expected? Pastor J.D. will help us to understand today that God's way of doing things will often lead us through difficult circumstances, not as a punishment, but as a part of our journey of faith and trust in Him. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 48 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. The same fire can either purify or consume. And I think so too is this true in our lives when it comes to those trials. We misunderstand, maybe better said, we misinterpret the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, even the chastising of God as we talked about last week, and we'll see again when we're in Hebrews. But we misinterpret it, we misunderstand it, and When we do that, then we go to the other end and we become hardened in our hearts. Because instead of saying, Lord, what do you want me to learn from this furnace of affliction? Our question rather is instead, why are you putting me in the furnace of affliction? That's the wrong question. You cannot give a right answer to a wrong question. The question isn't, why are you allowing this? It's, God, what are you doing in this? What do you want me to see in this? Obviously, you've got me in this furnace of affliction for a reason. You're trying to soften me. You're trying to better me. You're trying to mold me and make me and fashion me into the image of Jesus Christ. That's the purpose. It's the refining, purifying process, like with the gold, as Peter refers to. The goldsmith will subject that gold to intense heat, that furnace. And then all of the impurities in that gold will rise to the surface, and then the goldsmith scrapes off the dross, and he knows he's got pure gold. Same for silver when he can see his image reflected in the gold. Do you see the connection there? That's the purpose. God is all about making us more like Jesus, molding us into the image of Jesus Christ. That's the purpose. Romans 8.28 and 8.29. For we know that God works all things together for the good, 
to them that love Him and are called according to His purpose. Well, what's His purpose? Verse 29, His purpose is to make you more like Jesus. And if He's got to use the furnace of affliction to do it, guess what? Furnace of affliction it is. It's not because He's mad at you. No, it's because of His love for you. It's not what He's doing to you. It's what He's doing in you. It's often been said that God cannot do a work through us until He first does that work in us. So there's the furnace of affliction. He sends us into those fiery trials. Not to punish us. I'll teach you a lesson. Next time you, you'll think twice about that. I'm going to throw you into the furnace of affliction. No, it's more like this. Uh, there's some things i got to burn off of your life. There's some things that have taken up residence in your life that need to go. Because if you don't let me get that out of your life, it's going to end your life. That's why we allow surgeons to cut cancer out of our bodies. It's like, I better get it out before it takes me out. And the same thing is true in the spiritual sense. We can have things growing in our lives, and the only way to get them out is to burn them off, cut them out with that surgical double-edged that's so sharp it can cut between soul and spirit, bone and marrow, and God ever so lovingly. Oh, here's a great example. I haven't used this in many, many years. Uh, My firstborn son, he was, uh, oh, he couldn't have been uh, more than one year of age, maybe uh, shy of two. But um, my wife calls me and and she says, "There's there's a lump on his stomach. And I mean, you know, of course, as parents, our first thought is, he's got a tumor. He's got cancer. He's got a tumor. We imagine the worst case scenario, right? Come on, you do that. Don't look at me spiritually. We imagine the worst. It's always the worst case scenario. No! So we take him in. Oh, very common. He's got a hernia. I'm like, a hernia? little toddlers get hernias? I guess so. This this kid, yeah, yeah, he got a hernia. So can you believe that we let that doctor take a knife and cut into our baby boy? What? We're going to report you. <laughs> you, you how, how would you, how could you ever do that? Oh, because there's something in there that needs to come out of there. In this case, it needed to be, it's a tear and we needed to, he was so active. They, they had a word for it. In fact, one time they said uh, to us, oh, you have one of them. We're like, one of what? <laughs> oh, they call them active alert act of alert. Give me a break. (laughs) This is an act of alert. We're way beyond act of alert. But anyway, I mean, active, yes. (laughs) Alert, absolutely. But um, they, they had, it was a tear and they had to, but they had to cut in there and, and do that for him. And that's what God has to do with us. He has to get in there, and sometimes he's got to get us in to that furnace. And 
And isn't that what the potter does with the clay? Puts them in the furnace to refine them because we're his workmanship. You know, as I mature in Christ and grow in grace, I'm learning. I I cannot stand before you and say that I've learned. I think that would be disingenuous at best and dishonest at worst, but I'm learning in the process. I'm learning not to fight God during those times when I'm in the furnace of affliction. I've got reservations. I've got VIP status in that furnace, I'll have you know. I got reserved. I mean, that that furnace has my name on it. I'm very familiar with this furnace of affliction. I've been there so many times. And it's like, oh no, okay Lord, can we just get this over with? Because see, what I do is I fight the Lord in the process, this refining process when I'm in the furnace. And all I'm doing is prolonging it. I'm making it worse for myself. One of the things the Lord's been really ministering to me in my time with Him, just the last couple of weeks, but more pronounced this week, is what I'm going to refer to as the after before. Now let me explain this. God has to remind me of the after before because I'm stressing so much before, and I forget that after, and God has to remind me after, and it's kind of like, why didn't I stress out and kick and fight and bite and scratch and scream? And all I did was I made it worse for myself. That was so unnecessary. Not only was it unnecessary to fight the Lord through this process, I actually ended up making it take longer. Ah, there he goes again. J.D., man, that, that guy, he just doesn't, you think you'd get it by now. I mean, here he is in the furnace, and he's fighting it. Turn the heat up. And then you start feeling the heat turned up. You're like, okay, okay, God, okay, okay, okay I, give, I give in, I give in. Well, it's about time. You could have saved yourself, spared yourself so much needless and unnecessary suffering had you just surrendered. I'm doing a work in you. You've heard it said that God will comfort the afflicted, but have you also heard it said that it goes the other way? God will afflict the comfortable? It's how it is and even why it is that the affliction will increase right before the deliverance. This is what's happening here too, by the way. We see it in the Exodus with the Israelites. So God calls Moses, says, go to Pharaoh, tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Moses is like, okay, go, goes to Pharaoh. This is pre-plague. He has no idea about plagues yet, okay? So Moses goes innocently believing, I believe naively so, that he was going to go to Pharaoh because God called him, and he was going to say to Pharaoh, let my people go, and Pharaoh's going to just let him go. No, he doesn't let him go. In fact, this is what was his response. Uh, Apparently, the Israelites have too much time on their hands to complain, and and actually he just asked for three days so they could go and, and make offerings, and God actually never told him Ask Pharaoh first, let's walk into this, Moses. Just ask for three days to start. No, that was Moses. That, that's a whole nother. So 
his response is, well, apparently you guys got too much time on your hands. You know what? Uh, we're not going to provide the straw anymore. We, you guys have had it too good. So you got to get your own straw, if you can even find any. Have you seen how bare the shelves are at the stores? There's no straw to, uh, right now. <laughs> Sorry. And and not only that, but you still have to reach the same quota of bricks every day as you did when we provided you the straw. You know, it's interesting, archaeologically, they have found in some of the finds, the digs, that the bricks were, were better with more straw. And then as you got further up, the bricks in quality deteriorated with less straw. I love it when archaeology proves the Bible. You know when they find something, archaeology, I'm going way off, I'll come back to our Bible study, just give me a a second here, but you know when they find something, okay, so there's this archaeological dig, What, what is this, what did we just find? I don't know, I know, let's go to the Bible and find out what it is. And that's what they do, they just don't tell you. It just proves the Bible. Me down to the straw. Are you kidding me? I love it when God does that. It's exactly as we're told it happened in the Exodus. Now, why do I point that out? And why are we going to talk about this on Sunday? Because this is God's MO, if I can say it like that. He will increase the affliction because he's about to deliver his people. And the problem is, is that sometimes his people are too comfortable where they are, and the only way to get them to want to be delivered is to afflict them in their comfort. God afflicts the comfortable. They're too comfortable. Yeah, but they're in slavery. Yeah, but they've, that's all they've known. They've kind of settled in. And so, you know, I I say it like this, and I, I know you know what I mean, I, at least I hope so, when I say that God has a problem. God doesn't have problems, but I'm using that as a figure of speech. God has this problem. We're the problem, but the problem is He's got to get us from point A to point B. How's He going to get us from point A to point B if we're too settled and too comfortable in point A? Oh, I know. <laughs> We need to um, ruffle the feathers in point A. We need to turn up the heat in point A. We need to allow the furnace of affliction in point A. We need to afflict the comfort in point A, because unless and until we do, they're not even thinking about point B. By the way, you know, that's why I'm standing behind this pulpit, as is my privilege to do. I would have never, I was, I mean, I hate to use this expression, but for lack of a better one, we had it made in the shade. The church was going, growing, glowing, living the dream, man. Everything was great. I would have never thought about leaving that church to another pastor and starting another church. That was the furthest thing from my mind, and that was the problem. So how's God going to get me to consider leaving to come here to start this church? Well, we got <laughs> we got to turn up the heat, and boy, did he! I mean, I'm thinking, hmm, maybe I don't want to be here anymore. 
maybe, uh, maybe I should consider B, point B. Ah, it's working. God put me through the furnace of affliction. He allowed those fiery trials, and boy, I'm standing here. This is uh, going on now, what, uh, 17 years? It, going on 18 years, actually. I can't even imagine where I would be right now, with the Lord especially, had He not done that. I, I'm learning, again learning, to thank God for the affliction. Because were it not for the affliction, whew, well David said as much. You know it, Psalm 119, that famous psalm, verse 67, he actually says it twice, first time is in verse 67, he says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, now that you've afflicted me, I keep your word. Thank you, God, for the affliction. Forgive me, God, for fighting you. Forgive me, God, for even questioning you. Here I am in the furnace of affliction, and you're doing something so profound, so deep, so wonderful in my life, and I'm fighting you on it? I need affliction. He says it again, verse 71, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. You know that expression, you can learn the easy way or the hard way. <laughs> I'm glad you're laughing. It was an uncomfortable laugh. It was a nervous laugh, and I think I know why. Because, come on, how many of us learn the easy way? I would so much rather learn from your mistakes so that I don't have to repeat them in my own life. But sometimes I have to learn. That's the only way I'll learn. The only way I'm going to learn is through that furnace of affliction. It's good. It's a good thing. Affliction's good. Don't fight it. God's doing something good. God has good. God's going to work it for the good. There's something He wants you to see in this. There's something He wants you to learn from this. He says, it was good for me to have been afflicted so that I could learn the lesson that you're wanting to teach me in the affliction. I, I wish I could learn. There was an easier way to learn. I wish I could, like, just, you know, some people have this ability and I, I hate them, but anyway, <laughs> it's like, I mean, they can read some, and they get it. Not me. Oh, I struggled through school. I mean, there was this one kid, classmate, good friend, and I mean, straight A's, 4.0, valedictorian, the whole thing. And I, I remember asking him one time, I said, John, do you, do you study? Do you do homework? He said, no, I just got it. He says, I just got just like. I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to get this thing, and my brain isn't wired that way, and I have to maybe go to that school. Oh, you've heard of it, the school of hard knocks. No, because that's the only way I'm going to learn. Um, there's no such thing as a failure 
if it brings about success. In other words, it's a good thing to go through the affliction if you come out of it having learned a lesson from it. It is good for me to have been afflicted. I truly believe that this is what God is doing in this world today. He is allowing this affliction, and it's on a global scale. And it's what we talked about last week as well. It's to get us to let go, because He's about to deliver us. With the Israelites, we're going to see it with the Israelites in Babylon here in a moment, but with the Israelites and the Exodus, I mean, they were born into that. That's all they knew. So can you imagine if Pharaoh would have just said, okay, Mo, I'll let him go, and he just lets him go. And then here's Moses going to the Israelites say, okay, you guys, let's go. Where? Well, what if I don't want to? I mean, come on, you know, it's not that bad. Yeah, but we got to do the same quota of bricks now. That's pretty bad. Yeah, but go. Well, sounds like we need ten plagues of affliction. And then they're going to want to go. And that's, to me, the why it is that God allowed all of that to happen the way it happened. By the time they got to that tenth plague, man, oh God, take us out. I am. You ready? I am now. I wasn't before. It was good that you afflicted me. It was good that those plagues happened. It was good that we had to get our own straw. It was good. You can just keep filling in the blanks. It was good that this happened. Look how many people have come to Jesus Christ because of what's happening, and are even now as we speak. And we'll see them in heaven. And had it not been for this, it would have never happened. It takes affliction. That's just the way it is. I wish it wasn't, but it is. That's the way it is. Affliction, hardship, difficulty, pain, suffering. And we're going to see it now. Listen to me, verse 12. Oh, Jacob and Israel. There it is again. My called I am He. I am the first. I am also the last. Indeed, my hand has laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand has stretched out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand up together. They stand to attention. All they have to do is speak the word. Well, what's this about? Well, (laughs) Here, God is reminding them of the reason for choosing and using the furnace of affliction to refine them, which is chiefly because of who He is and for the glory that is only His. Let me say the same thing in a different way. Listen, I'm allowing this. You listen to me, O Jacob and Israel. I'm allowing this. I'm doing this because I am God and I alone will be glorified. I am the God of the end from the beginning. I stretched out the heavens. I laid the foundation. And when I speak the word, they stand to attention. 
Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. We hope you continue to be encouraged as you learn some good things from the book of Isaiah. Did you realize that there are 39 chapters in Isaiah that address judgment and 27 chapters that point to God's salvation? How fascinating that this book relates to 39 books of the Old Testament, much about judgment of sin, and 27 books of the New Testament, pointing to Jesus as God's salvation for the world. Isaiah is yet another example of how God interweaves the old with the new, and how prophecies from old point to fulfillment of that later. Are you seeing the connections that God has written into these pages of Isaiah? If you're wanting to hear this message again or more like it, you can find them at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can learn more about the church this ministry is supported by, Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. If you're not already plugged into a local church, we invite you to be part of our church family. If you're in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love for you to come visit us on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times and directions on our website. Again, that's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. We're so glad you tuned in today to learn from the book of Isaiah. We look forward to the next edition with Pastor J.D. and the things that God has put on his heart to share from this prophetic book. Thanks again for listening today to In Spirit and Truth.